A quick warning, there are curse words that are unbeeped in today's episode of the show. If you prefer a beeped version, you can find that at our website, thisamericanlife.org. Okay, so this week, like the rest of us, Ohio is going to the polls. And in Ohio, there are more people who vote Republican there, but not a lot more. Donald Trump and Barack Obama each carried the state twice. If the congressional delegation reflected the breakdown of Democratic and Republican voters in the state, they would have eight Republicans and seven Democrats sitting in the House of Representatives. But right now, it is not that. There are not seven Democrats. There are four. And that's probably the best outcome the Democrats can hope for in this week's election. In fact, they could do worse. Which, of course, would hurt the Democrats' chances for holding control of the U.S. House of Representatives. And why, you may ask, are Democrats only going to take two or three or four seats and not seven? At one level, it doesn't have anything to do with the issues or politics or Biden or anything like that. It really just comes down to gerrymandering. The districts are drawn to favor the Republicans, mostly by smashing lots of Democrats into just a few districts, giving Republicans majorities in the rest of them. In Ohio, those districts are about as bad as they come. But here's what's different about Ohio. A few years back, something very unusual happened. Republicans and Democrats came together, and they said enough. They changed the state's constitution so the districts would be drawn fairly, at last. 70% of voters in 2015 and 2018 approved this. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's fought against gerrymandering going back to when he was governor of California, he tweeted a congratulatory video. And I also want to congratulate the legislators, Democrats and Republicans alike, for coming together, and all of you together have terminated gerrymandering in Ohio. That's fantastic. Hard not to love how on brand that guy is. That's a huge victory getting rid of gerrymandering, which is the worst thing in America. It was a rare kumbaya political moment. The Republican governor of Ohio, John Kasich, was praising Democrats and voters' rights groups, making idealistic speeches. Listen, this is incredible what they did. We're we're now a model for the country. And it just means we're going to have fair elections. They're going to be more competitive. Why does this issue matter so much? Well, because when you draw lines in such a way that only one party can win the district, it creates a polarizing effect. That's because, because he says, and candidates don't have to worry about voters from the other party voting them out, their views get more extreme. They play to their base, court voters from their own party with whatever red meat issues are popular. And that means we move farther and farther apart as a nation. And it all leads to, <clears throat> excuse me, getting nothing done. This is really big time. This is the beginning of an effort to end all this polarization, get people to communicate, to listen to one another. That's what this is about. And so, the new rules of map-making went into effect. Ohio headed into the utopian, post-gerrymandering world where people would communicate and polarization would shrink, at least a little. And in 2021, they got their very first chance to draw new, completely fair maps. The maps for the election that we are holding this month and for the decade ahead. And then, a funny thing happened. Ohio's newly drawn legislative maps have now been deemed invalid and, in fact, unconstitutional. The Ohio Supreme Court said the maps drawn by Republican map makers were gerrymandered. Still, 
They didn't do the basic things they just enacted a constitutional amendment to do. But okay, everybody knows it's hard for old dogs to learn new tricks. Partisans would be partisans. Maybe they'd be expected. Slapped down by the court, lawmakers got another shot. They redrew the maps. Weeks later... Well, now to breaking political news tonight. Ohio Supreme Court is sending Ohio's House and Senate back to the drawing board again. Today, the Supreme Court ruled the state's redistricting maps as unconstitutional for the second time in less than a month. Well, now that was February. The lawmakers tried again to draw an ungerrymandered map. And in March... Welcome into Action News at 4 on this St. Patrick's Day. And the third time, not a lucky charm for Ohio Republican map makers. The state Supreme Court overturned another set of General Assembly maps late Thursday night. I'm sure you see where this is going. April. Well, 10 TV News at 5 begins with several breaking news stories tonight. We start at the Ohio Supreme Court. There, the justices struck down redistricting maps as gerrymandered for the fourth time. It and then the May. The Ohio Supreme Court rejecting legislative maps for a fifth time. Okay, Last yes, in all, the maps for Ohio State House were rejected five times. And then, on top of that, when it came to its representatives to the U.S. Congress, those districts were rejected twice. And then, time ran out. There's no more time to redraw any maps. Because of all that, Ohio's going to be going to the polls this week with maps its Supreme Court has declared unconstitutional, illegal, just deeply gerrymandered. How did they end up here? How's that even possible? Well, that's the story I'm here to tell you today. A bunch of states are going to the polls this week with gerrymandered districts that heavily favor one side over the other. But in Ohio this year, it wasn't supposed to be that way. From WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Stay with us, voters. One, they made each other a pledge. Unheard of. Absurd. Okay, so when I first started looking into this, one of the things I really didn't understand was how did Ohio end up with this constitutional amendment at all to fix the way they draw districts? After all, if you think about it, whichever party was in power, they had no motive at all to want to change. Democrats, in fact, happily gerrymandered for years and years, and they killed gerrymandering reform in Ohio, most recently back in 2010. Lately, of course, it's been the Republicans drawing unfair districts. The majorities are so overwhelming at this point, the Senate president has said publicly, we can kind of do what we want, which is true. Republican supermajorities in Ohio passed laws like, for example, the one that banned abortion, even in the case of rape and incest. In June, you probably remember, uh, this led to a 10-year-old Ohio girl who'd been raped to have to go to Indiana for an abortion. In a state that the majority supports Roe v. Wade, I yeah. dare say 5% or fewer Ohioans agree with how that 10-year-old was treated. David Pepper used to run the Democratic Party in the state, but became so alarmed at the kinds of laws he saw the Republican supermajority passing and the way they rigged maps to stay in power that he wrote a book, Laboratories of Autocracy, documenting it. It's a state that, not, that only a few months ago passed a bill because they were so worried about trans athletes 
uh, that said that on demand girls playing on sports teams that of all ages should 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 on demand have general inspections, genital inspections. But that extremism does not reflect the people. Very few people would support it. Same with guns. You know, this is a state that vast majorities would support background checks. The legislature passes laws where only 10 percent or so agree with them. And so the 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 gerrymandering is is, again, not just about a unearned majority control. It's what is fueling the extremism and behavior from politicians that I think most Americans can't understand. It's about no competition whatsoever. So whoever's in power has good reasons to keep gerrymandering. And in Ohio, whenever anybody's tried to stop them, they've failed. It's been a long history of hard-fought battles going back to the early 80s. Catherine Terser, who runs one of the do-gooder groups that's active on this issue, Common Cause Ohio, she jumped into the fight in the 1990s when she first heard about gerrymandering and got hooked. You know, at first it just sounds like some kind of weird conspiracy. Something that happens every 10 years behind closed doors, and it's the... Nearly everybody going to hear this hour has some moment like this where the arcane details of political redistricting took over their lives. In the 90s, Catherine gathered signatures to put a constitutional amendment on the Ohio ballot, which takes hundreds of thousands of signatures. They couldn't collect enough. She worked on the statewide campaign, and they tried again in 2005. This time they got on the ballot, and voters rejected them horribly, 70% to 30%. Tried again in 2012, lost again, similar margin. Catherine describes what that feels like this way. I had to, I was in a really terrible car accident. I had to relearn to walk, and I've recovered from cancer. I have gotten a divorce. None of them are as awful as losing a ballot measure. Wait, a divorce? I just want to go through the list again. A divorce, (laughs) cancer, and getting in a terrible car accident where you have to learn to walk afterwards. Not as bad as losing a ballot measure. Because, you know, you just have to do it all over again. And why'd you lose so badly? Like, if, if this is just sort of sensible, good government, let's have fair district lines. So the opposition, oh my gosh, they spent so much money. Just talked about how crazy the redistricting map would be. And then they spent, you know, millions of dollars, basically things like faceless bureaucrats are going to draw the district lines. Oh, and they're going to spend unlimited amounts of money on this map-making process. You have no idea how much money they're going to be spending. So, the year all this partisanship ended, or at least paused, and all the parties sat down to fix map-making in Ohio, it was 2014. And there were a bunch of reasons that it happened that year. One big reason? The map the Republicans had just drawn in the last round of map-making was so undeniably lopsided. And some of the laws the new majority started passing were more inflammatory than in the past, especially this measure to try to bust up public unions, which led to protests and a ballot measure. After that, a lot more people took notice of how weird the districts looked. Republicans started worrying that the Democrats and the good government groups were going to bring a ballot measure to change the Constitution and end gerrymandering. And of course, they defeated these kinds of measures in the past, but this time, there's one new factor that was going to make it harder. And to explain that part, uh, let me just introduce you to the mastermind behind the Republican strategy in Ohio when it comes to redistricting and map drawing one of the leading Republicans in the state, Matt Huffman. You know, I, I was Back in um, 
He and I spoke. I was still trying to figure out who was the person who first had the idea for the 2015 constitutional amendment to curtail gerrymandering. Like, who is the person who got everybody else on board? Somebody had told me that it was Catherine Terser, the woman from Common Cause. Matt Hoffman was very clear on this point. It was not Catherine Terser. It was not Catherine Terser. It was young state representative Matt Huffman uh, who introduced this. And and I'll tell you why, personally, why I ended up doing that. That checks out, by Um, the way. With people who are close to the process. Matt Hoppin says all this began after he fought to stop one of those ballot initiatives to get rid of gerrymandering. This is the one in 2012, the second one in 10 years. People spend a lot of money saying, yes, no, this is outrageous gerrymandering. And I went around the state and I raised money and lots of folks said, gee, we seem to be doing this a lot. Uh, We'll give you money, but isn't there anything you can do so we, we don't have to keep having this fight every three or four years? Yeah. The thing that I had heard was that the Chamber of Commerce said, like, we shouldn't be spending our money on this. We should be spending money on races and, and getting people to win. And, and, and that's right? Yeah. Well, that's a – I mean, I'm, I'm not recalling a specific conversation with the Chamber of Commerce, but those typically Republican groups, people did say to me in 2012, we're, we're not going to write checks for this anymore. Go solve the problem. Can't you come up with some compromise? We almost had one in 2010, the Republicans in the Senate. And I said, yeah, but the Democrats wouldn't do it. Well, maybe they'll do it now. So, okay, I'm going to take a shot at it. Hoffman sees himself as somebody who almost compulsively wants to jump at a problem and try to solve it. And even his opponents say that he is an enormously creative legislator. Back then, he'd just been through hearings where Democrats and Republicans both talked about what they'd want to see in a constitutional reform of gerrymandering. And he and everybody else saw possibilities for compromise. So, five negotiators went into a room in the state house for secret talks. But one of them told me it lasted 39 hours. Hoffman and the bigwigs in the party signed on. And the two sides came to a relatively quick agreement on some of the rules, anyway, for map drawing that now appear in the Constitution. Districts have to be as compact as possible. They shouldn't sprawl out in weird shapes. Whenever possible, if there's a township or county, it should all sit in one district. Or if it's too big for that, in two districts, with as few divisions in it as possible. I was told uh, by other negotiators that that last item was very important to Matt Hoffman during the negotiations. And when I talked to him, he said that that particular item was helpful to him personally, as a guy in charge of drawing the Republican political maps. And not because it helped him fight Democrats. I thought this actually gave a fascinating glimpse into what it was like to be a political boss like him, trying to keep his allies in line and on the same page. Much of the problem with redistricting is not party versus party. It's intra-party wrangling and ridiculous demands made by legislators about having this county in their district or their hometown. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not fair. It's not realistic. I want to have that township because that's where my daughter lives or my restaurant's there, or I at least want to be included in that congressional district because I may, and this happened because I may want to run for Congress because I think that guy's going to retire. We can say, we're not allowed to do that because we're not allowed to split townships in half. And it's an answer to a lot of bad behavior on both sides of the aisle. Meanwhile, What Democrats and good government groups wanted in the Constitution was something to guarantee that the district maps would not favor one party over another. And they knew it wasn't enough just to say the words, you can't favor one party over another. Florida put that wording into its Constitution. And it was vague enough that it led to years of lawsuits. So these people in Ohio wanted some kind of measurement in the Constitution, some way to determine whether a map was fair or not, 
that everybody agreed to. Catherine explains what they come up with. Essentially, what's in the Ohio Constitution is that we look at the statewide elections over the past decade. So in 10 years, those statewide races, and you can think of president, you can think of senator, governor, etc. You take all of those, you put them together, meaning you add up the Democratic votes and you add up the Republican votes. And when you do that in Ohio, you see that 46% of the votes that people cast were for Democrats over the last 10 years. 54% were for Republicans. And so 46% of its state house districts should be districts with more Democrats in them. And 54% of those districts should have more Republicans. One of the five negotiators, former political science professor Richard Gunther, came up with this idea, which he calls proportional representation. Meaning that the share of seats leaning towards one party or another should closely correspond to the share of votes cast for those two parties. So you're starting from a level playing field. So you invent this thing. Yep. It is not in any constitution of any state in the U.S. Any state but Ohio. When voters overwhelmingly approved the new rules, the Democrats and good government types were cautiously optimistic. Like Catherine Terser. She said they all knew it wasn't perfect. They made compromises. It was the only way to get it passed. There might be a few games, but that... that these elected officials would do their best to meet the rules. I understand that, but emotionally, did you just feel like we did it? We had we had oh. this goal and we <laughs> and we won. Did you feel like that? I, oh my gosh! Not only did I think we won, I was like, I could retire. It was like, oh my goodness! There's like light at the end of the tunnel. And I feel sad for that girl, you know, that person. You feel sad for for 2015 Catherine Turser? (laughs) Yes, 2015 Catherine Turser, who um, believed that we had set the stage for truly meaningful elections. Coming up, what goes wrong? When Ohio tries out its new constitutional amendment and draws its very first maps under the rules. That's in a minute from Chicago Public Radio when our program continues. It's this American Life, Myra Glass. Today's program, Map Maker, Map Maker, Make Me a Map. The story of why Ohio is going to the polls this week with election maps of the state's own Supreme Court it says violate the state's constitution. We've arrived at Act Two of our show, Act Two, Sunrise, Sunset. Slash, is this the little constitutional amendment I carried? Okay, so in 2021, Ohioans sat down to make the electoral maps for the election that we're holding this week, using their new constitutional amendment for the very first time, taking it out for a spin. And as you already know, what unfolded was kind of a disaster. They had to make three maps in all. One of those was defining congressional districts for the U.S. House of Representatives, then two maps for the Ohio State House, one for the Ohio Senate, one for the Ohio House of Representatives. Okay, so three maps, similar things happen with all three. And I'm going to tell you the story of what happened with the map for the Ohio House of Representatives because it was the most bitterly divisive. And also, there are things in gerrymandering that usually happen all the time around the country behind closed doors that here play out in public. And it took some pretty shocking turns along the way. And I call this meeting to order. 
We'll now proceed to the presentation of any member appointments to the Ohio Redistricting Commission. The new constitutional and amendment created a redistricting commission with seven members to draw the state's electoral maps. This was their first meeting in August of last year. Seven members mandated by the amendment were some of the most powerful people in the state. The governor, secretary of state, an auditor, and then from the state legislature, two Republican lawmakers, and two Democrats. Matt Huffman, the Republican who was behind the amendment's creation, he was on the committee, still calling the shots. He was also by this time a state senator and president of the Ohio Senate. Vernon Sykes was the leading Democrat on the commission and its co-chair. He'd been the Democratic Party's main negotiator, Huffman's counterpart, when they were drafting the constitutional amendment. Sykes is such a hardcore anti-gerrymandering guy that in his first term in office back in 1983, he went to the Democrats, who were at that point running things. They were the majority. He went to the leaders of his own party and told them it was unfair the way that they were drawing the maps. They should change. It was a difficult road to hold and really couldn't convince them to, uh, to do that. Like, did they say, like, are you crazy? Uh, yeah, that was basically the terminology that was used. Uh, they thought I was naive and young and inexperienced and, uh, and I would uh, get over it. Obviously, he did not get over it. And now, here he sat, four decades later. In all, it was five Republicans on the committee, two Democrats. Map-making got a late start in Ohio because the new census data was late. But then finally, on September 9th of last year. Mr. Co-Chair? Yes. Um, I would, uh, pursuant to Rule 10 of the commission, I would like to present to the commission a proposed General Assembly district plan for all 99 seats of the Ohio House of Representatives and all 33 seats of the Ohio Senate. That's Matt Hoffman proposing maps that have been cooked up by the Republicans on their own. The new constitutional amendment actually calls for everybody on the commission to draft this map together. But Republicans said that the census data came in too late for that. No time to collaborate. Democrats and the good government type said that was nonsense. So this first map was like a cannon shot launching the war that followed. Thank you. Uh, at this time, we are ready for the presentation. The single most important thing about the map that uh, anybody would want to know, did it favor one party more than another? The Republicans didn't give any information about that at all in this first hearing. And mind you, they were doing all this at the very last minute. There were only six days before the Constitution said they had to approve some map. Given the way the Constitution was written, like we said earlier, 54% of Ohioans have been voting Republican over the previous decade, so most people figured that 54% of the districts should have Republican majorities. But when the numbers were finally revealed, Republicans got a lot more than that. The map gave Republicans between 64 and 70% of all the districts. I asked a few people who were at these hearings to talk me through what they were like. Katie Shanahan uh, was there working with a group called the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. She personally had locked in on gerrymandering as her issue when she was in law school. She wrote a thesis evaluating how different states draw their maps and which are the most fair. Like everybody I spoke with, she expected the Republicans to try to gerrymander, you know, like a little. But this first map? It's sort of impressive that in a bad way that they managed to draw maps that were even worse than the ones that we had in place the last 10 years. After having helped write and pass a constitutional reform meant to curb that exact type of gerrymandering. The the audacity of their action is breathtaking, uh, no matter how predictable. And, uh, you know, the simple fact is that, that um, 
you know, there are a lot of opinions about what that portion of the Constitution means. Sure. For example, when... The During the hearings, Senator Huffman explained the number of Republican districts this way. He said that under the Constitution, the number of districts that each party gets is supposed to reflect the results in statewide elections over the previous 10 years. And results is the word the Constitution uses, results. But Huffman says there are different ways that you can measure election results. Like, for instance, you can count the number of votes cast, if you do that. Then Republicans won 54% of the votes, sure. But he said you could also count the number of races won. Governor, lieutenant governor, senator, all that. If you count the number of races, if you do it that way, Republicans won 81% of the races. Again, Katie Shanahan. And the explanation was essentially... uh, So we really could have gotten way worse maps, right? Like we could have drawn maps that gave us 81% of the seats and that would have been fair, but we didn't do that. And isn't that so gracious of us to do that? And that was their explanation. Yeah, what did you think of that argument? Well, excuse my friends, but it's horseshit. Election results. I mean, I guess you could read that multiple ways. But to me, what that reads is, you know, how have Ohioans voted in all of those races, if you're only counting who's won those elections, you're ignoring all of the other voters. So there are some of those statewide races that were decided by a couple percentage points, which means you're essentially ignoring half of the voters who showed up to vote in those elections, um, which is not what I think what statewide preferences of the voters of Ohio means. It doesn't mean only count who's won those races and disregard everyone else who voted. I will say, the Democrats and good government types who negotiated the terms of this constitutional amendment with Matt Huffman found this interpretation of the word results to be so annoying. Like, they were there when this was written. Again, Catherine Terser. The notion that Matt Huffman didn't understand what representational fairness is is absolutely ludicrous. There were long conversations about it for years, really. Richard Gunther said the same thing. Remember... He was one of the five negotiators who hammered out the terms of the amendment. He says whenever they talked about election results, it was always about the number of votes, never about the number of races won. No, that was never mentioned. And in fact, I've been a professional political scientist for five decades, and I've never seen election data used in that bizarre fashion. Matt Hoffman totally sticks by his guns on this one. He told me the word in the Constitution is results. This notion that it means counting votes and not offices won. Well, why does results mean that? Well, because I wanted to, because it's better for me. Well, those aren't really reasons. Well, well they're saying, you know, they're saying, they're saying the, just like, well, that's what everybody talked about back then. Nobody talked about counting the number of offices. Yeah, then it should be in the Constitution. This is like the agreement, right? We enter into a settlement agreement to settle our lawsuit, and later on you say, well, on the side, you said you were paying court costs. I never said that. Mm-hmm. Or on the side, I was supposed to get an extra $10,000. Remember you mentioned it to me just before we signed the document? No. And, and so that's why we have the Constitution and, and the and, and you're saying the, langu- the, the, language, it, it, the language doesn't specify. So it could be either one. Right. Yeah, Mr. President. So I've been trying to understand, as we've been talking to members of your staff and you yourself, how— you believe that you're in hearings over this, the even the other Republicans on the redistricting commission seem to have trouble with Matt Huffman's rationale for this and map. So, this is Ohio Secretary of State Frankel Rose, and as he's saying these words, the committee is in the final hour, like literally, it's the final hour before the constitutional deadline for approving a map. 
It's minutes before midnight on September 15th. Rose is complaining that Huffman and his staff didn't even share information with other Republicans on the committee, never gave any explanation till then for why there were so many more Republican districts than the Constitution seemed to allow. I, for one, have been asking for the rationale for days. Is there a reason why that wasn't shared with us until now? Rose texted his chief of staff, quote, this rationale is asinine. I should vote I no. Didn't have to be this, way. this came out in depositions a month later. Further discussion on the motion? Governor DeWine. Ohio's Republican Governor Mike DeWine also seemed concerned about how far Huffman had gone. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I am deeply disappointed at where we are tonight. Uh, I know, I know that this committee could have produced a more clearly constitutional bill. That's not the bill that we have in front of us. I'm sorry, we did not do that. The governor and secretary of state both turned down our request for interviews. Thank you, Mr. Chair. The commission didn't finally vote till after midnight, so they missed that deadline set by the Constitution. Co-chair, Senator Sykes. No. Co-chair, Speaker Cup. Yes. Governor DeWine. Even Republicans who were critical of the maps voted for them. They passed on party lines, five to two. This was challenged in court, and the Ohio Supreme Court did not buy Huffman's explanation um, at all about the definition of the word results. They ruled the map unconstitutional, back to the drawing board. Republicans created a second set of maps, again on their own, again with no input from the Democrats on the committee. This time they tried something different. They gave the Democrats a few more districts that leaned their way, but not as many as the Supreme Court called for. But there was a new problem, which the court pointed out when it rejected this set of maps. A third of the Democratic seats were just barely Democratic. Like, really, these seats were toss-ups, where Democrats had just a tiny fraction more voters than Republicans, like less than half of 1% more voters in most of the cases. Again, David Pepper, who's chair of the Democratic Party in the state. What the Supreme Court said correctly was the only seats that were, you know, at risk of being lost were Democratic seats. That is not a fair map. You need to have in your on your side, as many competitive seats as Democrats do. The Supreme Court said no to this second map because it violated the part of the Constitution that says a map can't, quote, favor or disfavor one party over another. The court gave the commission 10 days to try again. And the commission didn't meet until the 10th day, the very last day, February 17th, 2022. And this time? The commission just didn't pass a map. Again, Katie Shanahan. The Republicans never offered any map. They just didn't do it. And they filed uh, with the court saying, yeah, sorry, we just reached an impasse. We don't know. We don't know how to get around it. You know, we don't know how to make you all happy on the court. The Democrats don't want to agree to any of our maps. So I guess we're just not going to have a map. The map makers, the majority map makers, are telling us that they don't believe that we can constitutionally do what the court majority has asked us to do. This is Republican Secretary of State Frank Rose at that February hearing. This is one of those classic cases of what we want versus what we can accomplish. Uh, those who are looking to cast blame and score political points will perhaps represent that the situation we're in is simply because of a lack of will. I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, 
Just to be clear about this, the Republicans are right when they say that it's not so easy to make a map for Ohio that gives Democrats nearly half the districts, like the Constitution mandates. Because like in many states, the Democrats in Ohio are mostly bunched up in the big cities. In lots of counties, there just aren't so many of them. So to give them enough districts without breaking any of the other rules, like splitting up counties and townships, it's tricky. Democrats, however, and nonpartisan groups like Legal Women Voters, say it isn't that hard a problem. And that same day, February 17th, the Democrats introduced a map that they made that gave them the number of districts that the Supreme Court said would be constitutionally correct. All other requirements of the Constitution are met. No one has shown constitutional violations in these maps, so I urge a yes vote for adoption of the maps that have been proposed in this motion. The Republicans disagreed about the constitutionality and spent a lot of the hearing trying to shoot holes in the map. Their biggest beef? Matt Hoffman said that this map made so many districts of incumbent Republicans vanish, so many, that it disfavored one party in a way that the Constitution prohibits. The Democrats replied that so many Republican districts were vanishing because they'd been unfairly gerrymandered in the first place. At the end of the hearing, the Republicans voted down the Democrats' map, like they did with every Democratic map offered during all these hearings, and decided to notify the state Supreme Court that no map could possibly be drawn to comply with the Constitution. And they just sort of crossed their hands and went with the impasse, um, which was fairly astounding um, because, you know, a, a court order is is nothing to scoff off. It's the highest court in our state demanding that you redraw a map. And the commissioners just said, yeah, no, we're not we're not going to do that and had no qualms about not only doing that, but then filing paperwork with the court to explain, yeah, we're just not going to follow your court order. And of the five Republican commissioners, four of them are barred attorneys who swear a, an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States and of Ohio and to have respect and deference to courts who have jurisdiction over your actions and that's how you're going to behave. You're just going to cross your arms and say, yeah, no, I'm not going to comply with that, that court order. It's, it's appalling. Seven days later, the Ohio Supreme Court issued an order for the commissioners to appear in person and explain why they should not be held in contempt for not turning in a map, as ordered. Again, Katie Shanahan. And what's so wild about the timing of that, so that order came out on February 24th. And later that same day, Republican commissioners managed to propose a new map and pass it almost along party lines. Hmm. Which is fascinating because they had just argued in court why they couldn't possibly come up with a new map. And yet fewer than 24 hours after the court said, OK, well, then you should come into court and explain why you didn't, you know, why you shouldn't be held in contempt. They managed to figure out how to draw a new one. And was the new map very different? No, it was not very different. Um, it was largely the same. They made the seat count perhaps a little more palatable, but essentially the one of the driving In fact, the new map finally got to a 54-46 split between Republican and Democratic winning districts like the court wanted. But just like the previous Republican map, lots of the Democratic seats, in fact, nearly half of them, 19 seats, were just barely Democratic. They were toss-ups. None of the Republican seats were toss-ups. They were all solid red. 
So the Supreme Court ordered the commission to go back and try it one more time. This is now the fourth time. And this time, the court suggested a complete revamp, like a total rethinking of how they were going about this. The court pointed out that one big problem with all these maps was that the Democrats and Republicans didn't draft them together as a group, like the Constitution tells them to. So the court said, try drafting a map together from scratch in public. Hire an independent map maker to help. Somebody will answer to all the commission members, and not just to the Republicans. And, incredibly, that's what happens next. At this time, we'll call up the map makers. They hire two independent map makers. One picked by the Democrats, one picked by the Republicans. We've been waiting a long time to have this opportunity to actually talk with you. Could you just do brief... Uh, Brief so, introduction, please. This is the one time in all the hearing footage that I've watched that I've seen co-chair Vernon Sykes allow a faint smile to cross his face. And the commission puts the two to work. In a room in the Capitol, with cameras and microphones, broadcasting onto the internet, with separate feeds that show what was on their computer screens, Senator Sykes was proud of it. It was totally an open process, live-streamed, 24-7. Uh, around the clock, this room was broadcast. Mm-hmm. We could hear conversations. This was unheard of in any state, anywhere. And so do you feel like, okay, it's been a bumpy road, but finally there's real hope this will work out the way that you had wanted from the beginning? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was Ohio's version of reality television, mm-hmm. you know, for all the data and map nerds and redistricting nerds. This is the other Democrat on the redistricting commission, Allison Russo, the Democratic leader in the Ohio House of Representatives. Russo's uh, first entrance into politics in Ohio years before this was collecting signatures for redistricting reform at her local public library. So she especially loved this new path they were on. She watched the live stream. Everybody did. We all did. I mean, one of the more entertaining aspects was really just the personalities of the two map makers and how they interacted with each other. And there were moments of tension. So, so let's no not. Discussion. So let's not. There's no discussion. But, it, it, but when it came to green, you don't get to say there's no discussion and then keep discussing. I, I wasn't saying there was no. There were also long stretches where they got along. They drank lots of coke, ate on camera. Michael the Democrat was somebody who seemed utterly uninterested in small talk. Doug, the Republican, was friendly, chatty. Here he's looking at his phone. <laughs> My daughter, she, she texted me saying, guinea pigs have been enjoying you guys. <laughs> Michael, all business, says nothing. Typical. Doug turns to the camera, does a quick wave and a smile, gets back to work. And just four long days, these two people, who knew nothing about Ohio's districts, got closer and closer to finishing a map that looked like it could meet all the constitutional guidelines. Again, Allison Rousseau. Yes, yes, I felt hopeful. And at the moment that it became clear that they were going to come to some sort of map is when the Republicans, uh, specifically the two legislative leaders, seemed to go on overdrive and throwing up more and more obstacles and making it more difficult. For example, asking the map makers to take time to add the addresses of all the incumbent officeholders to the statewide district maps they were making. At a few points, the map makers would ask the Republican lawmakers for input on certain decisions, and they wouldn't give answers. I, I can't vote yes on something when I don't know what the result of it is. Yeah, I have the, really the same position. I, 
I don't think we know enough, not just on this one, frankly, but on, on the other ones as well. So Republicans denied that these were delaying tactics. They say it was genuinely difficult to come up with a map that would give Democrats more seats without violating other map-making rules in the Constitution. So, finally, after four long days and nights, they're at March 28th of this year, the deadline set by the court to finish a map. And on that day, March 28th, the two sides end up in the most dramatic battle they have in these hearings. It starts in the late afternoon when Senator Hoffman addresses the committee. I, I did want to talk a little bit about our timing. So the court order requires that we have this final product to the Secretary of State today, uh, March 28th. He explains that to do that by midnight, to get all the files prepared, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to need to vote by 10.30 that night. And obviously the court is serious about the deadline. Um, I just wanted to comment, um, so as of 5 o'clock, we do not have a Senate map to consider. Um, And you're nodding, uh, Mr. Johnson, I want to make sure I got that right. As of 5 o'clock, we cannot confirm that we have a constitutional House map uh, with maybe five hours or so to go in our process. So given that, um, I, I, I also want to say, obviously, the court is very, very serious about getting these maps to them on time. And I'm concerned, based on, on, on the description of the process, that that's going to happen. So I think we need a fail-safe. And, you know, if we're not going to uh, land the plane, as it's said, it would be nice to have a parachute. Uh, and so Hoffman proposes, going back to the old map, the last unconstitutional map that the Supreme Court had rejected. His idea is the independent map makers try to pretty up the old map to get closer to what the Supreme Court wanted. And um, that's my motion, Mr. Co-Chair. Objection. The two Democrats on the committee, Vernon Sykes and Allison Russo, respond first. Sykes, I should say, is a kind of old-school politician who usually goes out of his way to avoid saying anything bad about any of his opponents. But even he can't stop himself. That is ridiculous. All the time, uh, money, resources we put into uh, coming up with the constitutional map that just need edits that we can make in this time period to distract us, the staff and the uh, map, independent map drawer, to divert to some other task is ridiculous. Uh, Mr. Co-Chair. Leader, Leader Russo. Uh, thank you, Mr. Co-Chair. I, I strongly object to this. This is so disingenuous of members of the co- this commission to even suggest that this would be the, the process that we would use moving forward. The court has ordered us to create a map as a commission starting from scratch, and that is what we have done. To totally undercut that at this point, number one is a slap in the face to Ohio voters and completely disregarding the court order. And I will tell you that we can work as long as we need to. The court would much rather us work and finish this job than to, again, submit another unconstitutional map that is not drawn by the entire commission 
and or submit nothing. If we even have to go past midnight, I bet the court will be okay if we are a few hours late as long as we get this job done. Otherwise, we will be in contempt again or possibly held in contempt of not following the court's order. Co-chair? Yes. Yep. Um, just a couple uh, responses. First, again, Senator Matt Hoffman. Um, your statement that these map makers have come up with a constitutional map, well, I, I don't know that that's true, and I'm not sure how you know it's true because uh, we never saw that. These map mapmakers um, doing a tremendous job in a very short period of time um, that was dictated by the court have not produced a Senate map and are not able to confirm that they have provided a constitutional um, house map. And, and what, what I'm simply saying is we have a deadline today. It may be that Leader Russo knows what the Supreme Court is thinking, but the order says today is the day. In fact, the Supreme Court and specifically said in the order, quote, no requests or stipulations for extension of time shall be filed. And that we have to do it by today. Um, so that, that, I mean, that's simply what the order is. If somehow, some way, the map maker is able to produce a constitutional map that four members of the commission will support, um, and that is all done by 1030, then maybe, but it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. So we have to have something that we can provide to the court today, which is what we're ordered to do. seems to be no end to the arrogance of the supermajority. Any other comments? After that, the commission votes along party lines. They tell staff to make a new version of the old unconstitutional map. Though they do allow the independent map makers to continue on their independent maps as well. After all, maybe they'll finish on time. The motion is approved and so ordered. That's very late afternoon, near 6 p.m. Then they go into recess. When they reconvene at 9.30 that night, just an hour before the 10.30 deadline, Matt Hoffman tried to set for them. One of the independent mapmakers they hired, the Republican one, Doug Johnson, gives an update. Um, so co-chairs, members of the commission, um, as you've hopefully seen, uh, about an hour, I guess about two hours ago now, we did finish a, a full house map and distributed that and have moved on to the Senate map. We're making progress as fast as humanly possible in an effort to get this done um, this evening. He says that he figures but, he'll be finished with the Senate uh, map in 45 minutes now, or an hour. Then he says that we'll still need to do some refinements and tweaks to the House map. Commission members have asked for some revisions that haven't been fixed yet. The House map that they made has Republican majorities in 54% of the districts, like the Supreme Court called for, and unlike the previous unconstitutional map, where all the toss-up districts, 19 of them, were Democratic-leaning, in this new map, the independent one, each party has an equal number of toss-up districts, three Democratic, three Republican, again, like the Supreme Court called for. Matt Hoffman and the Republicans are not having it. This is Bob Kopp, the Republican co-chair. Uh, Mr. Co-chair? Yes. Um, I... In spite of uh, all the work that's uh, been done, and um, I know that the consultants came in 
and they worked uh, extremely hard. Um, I think uh, it is not um, feasible uh, to expect that we're going to have that in time to be uploaded to the Secretary of State's office in compliance with the court's uh, order. So I would just, uh, um, so what I'm going to do is to move, I guess, what has been referred to as the 328 uh, cup plan. This is the map that had been found unconstitutional with some small changes that they'd made since 6 p.m. And uh, move that the uh, commission adopt that plan. Objection. Second the motion. Mr. Co-Chair. Leader Russo. Again, this is Democrat Allison Russo. She's been given a handout with information about this newly revised Republican map. Uh, thank you, Mr. Co-Chair. Um, I would just like to um, say that this process is, and this motion and this map that's been put before us is a complete farce. I literally have been handed spreadsheets that have population deviations on them. Nothing about partisan uh, lean, nothing about symmetry. This is useless information. Bob Cup tells her that it's a 54 to 46 map, like it had been before. But now instead of 19 Democratic toss-up districts, there were 17. Republicans still have no toss-up districts. And your assessment is that this addresses the symmetry concerns by the Supreme Court? Symmetry concerns, that each party has a similar number of toss-up districts. Uh, this moves closer uh, to it, um, and it's the best that can be done in the time that was available under the court's requirement to adopt the plan by March the 28th. Okay. Well, um, I, I took a lot of math in college. Uh, I would disagree with that. Um, she asked if they could recess so commissioners could look at the map and if they could make suggestions to change it. Hoffman says there's no time for either. Somebody points out that this was Hoffman's problem with the independent mapmaker's map, that the commissioners hadn't seen it and that there wouldn't be time to make suggestions to change it. Hoffman repeats, the independent map can't be done by midnight. Uh, Mr. Co-Chair, I'm going to make one more motion. I move that we, the commission directs uh, Eric Clark, who is the commission's attorney with the attorney general's office, to prepare an emergency motion asking the court for an extension of 12 hours. Yeah, I, I object, um, Mr. Co-Chair. We have a motion on the floor regarding it. I don't even know if Mr. Clark's available, but we've already several times uh, read from the Supreme Court's uh, decision, so... And with that, they vote on the Republican map. This is a motion to adopt a revised 328 cup map. No. 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 Governor DeWine. Quiet down, please. Please, let's have order. We still have to have order here. Please. Jen Miller, the executive director of the League of Women Voters, they were the ones who sued to get the Republican maps overturned three times already, was there in the hearing room for this. Fascinatingly, this Ohio redistricting commission that had blown through so many deadlines that were in the Constitution and deadlines given to them by the Ohio Supreme Court decides that deadlines matter and that they needed to get a map done and they pass it along a simple majority. What was it like in the room? You know, it was interesting because we all knew that <laughs> we knew not to be hopeful, but we were hopeful. And it was just such a letdown. 
just disappointed, kind of like when you, you've got a crush on a guy and <laughs> you think that he's finally going to do the right thing and then he still doesn't. And you kind of, in your gut, knew that would probably happen. But you were hopeful. I cried, Ira. I cried. You cried. Yeah. Because I, I had done nothing. <laughs> for, I had spent all of my time living and breathing and dreaming maps. Alison Russo told me she feels sure that the Supreme Court would have granted them an extension because for the first time, the commission was drafting a map together in public, exactly like the court had called for. But, you know, really, there's no need to speculate about this. Hello? Hello. Is this uh, Justice O'Connor? Yes. Yes, this is Ira. Hi, how are you? Meet Maureen O'Connor, the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, at least uh, through December when she retires. A lifelong Republican and the swing vote that rejected Ohio's election maps is gerrymandered so many times this past year. She knew all about the map that had been made by the independent map makers. I told her how the commission never submitted it because they were afraid they wouldn't make their deadline. Okay, that that is um, uh, what can I say? If that was their understanding, contacting the court nine o'clock at night whatever, would have been, can we have 24 more hours? Absolutely. That would have happened. Would we have rejected something that was given to us at 9 in the morning? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Here's how this played out. Some Republican allies took the case to federal court where a three-judge panel with two Trump appointees told the redistricting commission, if you can't come to an agreement on a map that's constitutional... Well, you just use the Republicans' unconstitutional gerrymandered map. After that, unsurprisingly, the commission didn't even try to come to an agreement on a map. Never even held a meeting with that purpose. That's why Ohio is going to the polls this week on the gerrymandered maps. I got interested in all this, wondering how lawmakers could defy their own constitution over and over. I'm talking about Huffman person who drove this process more than anybody else. Here's what I learned. In his telling, the Republicans were not defying the Supreme Court. He says they tried to comply, and the court kept telling them no. He thinks the court's rulings misread the Constitution. The way Matt Hoffman reads this part of the Constitution, which of course he had a big hand in writing, he believes that if you follow all the kind of mechanical rules for how to draw maps, keeping districts compact, not dividing counties too many times, that kind of thing, then you actually can ignore the part of the rules that are about proportional fairness, the rules that dictate how many districts go to each party. This section about proportional voting is not required. It's aspirational only. Of course, the Supreme Court of Ohio sees that very differently. But there is wording in there that Hoffman can point to. One of the things that Chief Justice O'Connor told me was that she thought that most Ohioans don't understand what kind of flawed, leaky boat this constitutional amendment is. And I think Hoffman really believed from the start that when they wrote this language, he'd created rules that would allow him to get his map through, that would let him get any map through, with any mix of Democratic and Republican districts. Because he believes, again, that the language in the Constitution says that if you follow all the other rules in drawing districts, it doesn't matter how many districts each party gets. In fact, we know from court documents that he instructed the Republican mapmakers to get everything else about the maps correct, 
Be sure to follow all those other rules. And don't worry about how many districts you give it to the Democrats. But beyond that, in a bigger way, Hoffman told me he thinks that there are real limits to what courts can tell legislators to do, just in general. And not long after Huffman and I talked, Republicans in Ohio took one of their redistricting cases to the U.S. Supreme Court. Basically, it's like a North Carolina case you may have heard of that the court's going to hear this year, where one side is arguing that the state Supreme Courts have no power at all over any state legislatures. Fifty state chief justices, Republicans and Democrats, filed a brief with the Supreme Court arguing against that point of view. Okay, so what happens next? Well, even while they're arguing that state Supreme Court justices should have less power, Republicans in Ohio right now are fighting to get different justices onto the state Supreme Court. Justices who might agree with Matt Huffman's arguments and approve Republican maps that the current court rejects as unconstitutional. Three seats on the court are open. Every time the court rejected the Republican maps, it was by the narrowest margin, a four to three vote. The two parties have spent over $10 million on these Supreme Court races so far. Republicans outspending the Democrats nearly two to one. The campaigns are unashamedly partisan. Here's one of the Republican Supreme Court candidates speaking at an event at a vote house about the three judicial candidates. If you vote for three and all three win, we take back conservative control of the court if that's important to you. And just for myself, don't forget, that's Fisher with a C for the Constitution and common sense. Thanks. If electing justices who will side with Matt Huffman's reading of the Constitution is the Republican hope right now, the Democrats and good government groups have drawn other conclusions from their exhausting year-long slog at the redistricting commission. Here's Jen Miller of the League of Women Voters. The lesson is that politicians are going to be politicians, and we have to take them out of the equation completely. How? We're going to have to have another ballot initiative. Um, It's going to be hard. It's going to be expensive. It's going to take a long time. But, you know, if you look around the states um, and see which places redistricting went well, they were independent, balanced commissions. Independent, in this case, means it's not politicians or public officials drawing the maps. If you want to imagine another way that things could have gone in Ohio this year, you could just look at New York State. In New York... It was the Democrats who run the state who drew a heavily gerrymandered map. They gave themselves majorities in 22 of the state's 26 congressional districts that determine who goes to the U.S. House of Representatives. This year, New York, like Ohio, had a brand new constitutional amendment to stop gerrymandering. And this year, the New York State Supreme Court struck down the Democrats' gerrymandered map as illegal, unconstitutional. A special master appointed by the court redrew the map The number of safe Democratic districts dropped from 22 to just 15. And the Democrats stopped fighting. They accepted the court's ruling. That's the map the state will go to polls with this week. It'll be that much harder, by the way, seven seats harder, for Democrats to keep their control of the U.S. House of Representatives with this ungerrymandered map. And why did the Democrats in New York accept the court's ruling? Well, for starters... It would have been a lot harder for the Democrats to keep fighting for their illegal map. Because New York's Constitution lets the Supreme Court appoint a special master who works for the court to draw a new map. And then the court can just impose that new map on the entire state. Ohio's Constitution doesn't have anything like that. 
In fact, the wording in the Constitution specifically prohibits it, thanks to Matt Huffman and the Republicans. If a map is bad, if it gerrymanders, the Constitution throws the job of redrawing back to politicians on the redistricting commission. You can basically stonewall. And so Republicans in Ohio never redrew their map to give the court what it asked for. And they hope they'll never have to when they get a new set of justices on the court this next year. Our program was produced today by Zoe Chase and Valerie Kipnis. People who put together today's show include Elna Baker, Chris Benderev, Sean Cole, Stone Nelson, Catherine Raimondo, Nadia Raymond, Ryan Rummery, Charlotte Sleeper, Lily Sullivan, Francis Swanson, Christopher Sutala, Marisa Robertson, Texter, Matt Tierney, and Julie Whitaker. Our managing editor, Sarah Abdurrahman. Our senior editors, David Kestenbaum. Our executive editor is Emmanuel Berry. I first uh, learned about the redistricting fight in Ohio reading Jane Mayer's article in The New Yorker not long ago about the Republican supermajority there how it passes laws that are much more red than Ohio's population, which I recommend. Special thanks today to David Niven and Dan Tokaji, who both helped with map analysis, and to Eric French and Letitia Wiggins from WOSU, who recorded most of these interviews. Also thanks to Robert Cup, John Fortney, Aaron Mulvey, Dennis Kucinich, Fred Levinson, Yuri Rudensky, Michael McDonald, Ann Henniker, Kiri McCarthy, Karen Kassler, Andy Chow, Chris Welter, Ilya Maritz, Mallory Gorski, Maya Majikis, Milo Danison, Jeff Rusnick, Chris Davey, Bishop Ward, and of course, Sheldon Harnick. Our website, thisamericanlife.org, where you can stream our archive of over 750 episodes for absolutely free. Also, merch for your holiday shopping. Is it too soon to say that? I just said it. Again, thisamericanlife.org. This American Life is delivered to public radio stations by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Thanks as always to our program's co-founder, Mr. Tori Malatia. Or, as he calls himself, Tori C. Malatia. With a C for the Constitution and common sense. I'm Eric Glass. Back next week with more stories of this American life. I'll do it.